Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is approaching mid-January. The snow is falling lightly on the cars outside here at 834 Linden Avenue at Universal Imports of Rochester. And we are here with another podcast for you. And this is a real special one for me. I've had this on my radar for uh, a long time, Aaron. Yeah, you have. We've been talking uh, about it. <laughs> and I finally was able to nab this guy, get him into my office, reel him in. I had to, I had to coerce him with, <laughs> with a Pepsi. It's all it took. All it took was a, a cherry Pepsi. Uh, anyway, um, on today's episode, uh, before we get started, uh, I'm Mark Fierbacher. I'm Aaron Kane. Aaron Kane, and tonight, today, we actually have Charlie Craddock here who is uh, a titan in the auto industry here in Rochester, New York. Would you call yourself that, Charlie? Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) But he is. And we'll explain a little bit what Charlie's doing here and why it's uh, such a great pleasure to have him on the show today. Um, Before we get started, a little housekeeping. Uh, This is the Grease and Glamour podcast. This is episode 12. And we have now topped the 1,000 listener mark. So now we are... We are a big deal. I can't believe this is number 12. Number it's 12 crazy. and 1,000 listeners. That's it's, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm, I'm proud of it. And um, we hope that you as listeners will uh, give us a like on uh, the, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Give us a like. Uh, uh, give us a review on Facebook. Um, you can find us at greaseandglamourpodcast.com. Right, Aaron? Yep, and you can also email us, too, if you have any questions, any suggestions, at greaseandglamourpodcast at gmail.com. And tell all your friends. We need to get that 1,000 listeners to 2,000 listeners. But <clears throat> today, Charlie Craddock is a, a gentleman that I've known for a long time. Um, my father, who brought me up through this business, who many of you know uh, from previous podcasts, me talking about my dad, Gunther, who started Universal Imports back in 1984. Uh, We used to go to the auto auction every week to buy cars, like just about every other dealer in every other city in the country. And there was a gentleman that I met down there one time that my father had known. And I, I honestly, Charlie might remember this, but I don't know exactly how my father and you got connected but Charlie um, at the time was working for uh, Dorschel which is another auto dealer here in town and he uh, really was in charge of kind of all of their wholesale and use is that correct Charlie that's correct Um, and uh, so I met Charlie and I right away I knew he was a nice guy Um, you know we'd go to dinner together we'd shoot the breeze together at the auction that kind of thing but it wasn't until Last year, my father passed away, and Aaron and I were at an auction, and I hadn't seen Charlie for, it feels like it was probably 10 years or something. Probably longer. Yeah. And um, I run into Charlie. I felt that it was some sort of, uh, you know, by design by my father somehow. (laughs) It was some kind (laughs) of fate. And Charlie says, oh, hey, Mark, you know what? I do this prayer breakfast, and I would love for you to come uh, and check it out. So I did, and I was, I was just amazed that um, I, I went on this Wednesday morning. There was, I don't know, close to 60 people in the room, all either car dealers or 
mechanics or doll-up guys. I mean, it was a mix of just auto industry people Mm -hmm. there to not only uh, share fellowship with each other, but, you know, talk about the Bible, talk about the Lord, and and get a sort of healthy dose of, of positivity to start their day. And I just, I was blown away by it. I walked away from that first one. I, I felt really refreshed. I felt, um, I, I just loved it. And from that moment when I knew that at some point we were going to do a podcast, I um, had to uh, ask Charlie to come on. So about six months ago, I asked Charlie, and we finally got our schedules to lock in. And today I present to you Charlie Craddock, the founder or one of the founding members of the prayer breakfast here in Rochester, New York for auto dealers. Charlie, could you tell me a little bit about how that came to be and kind of what your take on it is? There were actually four of us, excuse me, Uh, John Lightbolt, who at the time was the director of the RADA, Uh, Dave Hoselton from uh, the Hoselton Chevrolet Group at that time, Um, Rick Chevesty, who was a a salesman manager at um, Bob Johnson's at the time, and Charlie Craddock, myself, who was at that time, I was one of the used car managers at the Dorsal Group. So one day I'm listening to the radio and I, I listen to uh, a person talk about Chuck Colson. Um, Chuck Colson was high up in the government uh, and was involved in the Watergate scandal. Um, not a good thing, but he, <laughs> he was involved. Um, but anyway, he started a prayer breakfast for people in government. And I thought to myself, if he can start a prayer breakfast for people in government, why can't we start a prayer breakfast for people in the automobile business? If it works for politicians, it should work for for dealers, right? So that's kind of the way it went. I, I shared that idea with a number of people. Um, some thought I was crazy that people, you know, wouldn't come. But Dave Hoselton, like I said, Rick Chevesty and John Leibolt, uh, the four of us sat down four or five times. Uh, kind of figuring the whole thing out, and and that's how it started. That's how we birthed it. And uh, unfortunately, these guys were not able to stay with the prayer breakfast because their jobs took them other places. But um, I've been doing this now for about eighteen years. Wow. And and I think what's that's impressive, and and even more so that when you go eighteen years later, I was just at the prayer breakfast on Wednesday morning. And I counted still about mm-hmm. 60 people or 50-some people there. And uh, they put out a breakfast bread. And um, I was sitting right next to uh, a, a guy who I guess you could call a competitor. I mean, he, he sells BMWs elsewhere. <laughs> and him and I hit it off, and we talked, and we exchanged cards. And we there's right away a camaraderie. There's this, you know, I mean, I, and, and I'm a Christian, so one of the things I believe is the Lord brings people together, and this is one of the ways they do. Um, and uh, and that was no more evident than than in when I met Charlie again last year, uh, how I meet people when I'm at the prayer breakfast because I go and I, you know, the, our company, we've always been, and Charlie knows this, we've always kind of been in our own little island. We We really don't haven't dealt a lot with the other dealers in town. I mean, we kind of had our own niche thing, 
Um, mm-hmm. There really isn't anybody in Rochester that's doing quite what we do. And uh, so we a little bit sheltered sometimes from knowing some of these people. And, and Charlie's helping me get out of my bubble. And, mm-hmm. and even though I've been in this business now almost 30 years, I'm, I'm meeting people that I feel like I probably should have known 10 years ago, but I, but now I'm, I'm meeting them and I'm, I'm happy for it. Um, so yeah, why I think it's so special. It's like when you talk about if a politician can, uh, uh, um, go to a prayer breakfast or a politician can actually believe in something other than yeah. themselves. Uh, that's a pretty amazing thing. And, and I, and unfortunately it's just the way it is. The, the car business has a bad reputation. It does. When you first told me about it, I was like, that's a really, really good idea. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't really hear about I, it. I've, I've always said that when a customer walks in, whether they're walking into our place or whether they're walking into another dealership, they're always very guarded. So when the salesperson, whoever they're talking to, they're not starting at zero with a trust. They're starting at negative 100. <laughs> and they have to build their way Back up on. to zero. Mm-hmm. And then if they're lucky, they can get beyond zero and they can and they can actually gain someone's trust because people are just and it's not just the car business. I mean, let's be honest. It's 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 a lot of businesses. It's real estate. It, yeah. It's realtors. It's uh, it's anybody in sales. You know, you walk into a furniture store and you're kind of like, oh, you're. I, I dread it. The attack <laughs> of the salespeople, but I think it's in pretty much in any yeah. commission-based industry. You're always very guarded, and not really sure if you're getting proper information, and then. And then the auto business is also tough because there are so many things, so many unknowns, so many things that you don't know. So the only thing worse than uh, having no trust for a like a car salesman is when it's a used car salesman. <laughs> That's even worse, apparently, you know. But um, so uh, I think it's I think it's important for for people out there to know that uh, there are some. There are some people out there that are very minded to, in this case, very Christian minded. And and in this case, very, um, you know, they want to do the right thing. They're trustworthy people. They're good people. They have families. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're not just waking up every morning wondering who they can who they can pull something over on today. Um, But sometimes it's like anything else, right? You you get a couple bad apples in the bunch, and that can hurt hurt it for a lot of others. Um, and then the industry the industry itself, the pressures that that salespeople have, not just in the car business, but in any business, the pressures that salespeople have to sell so that they can make an income uh, can get in the way sometimes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um. So, uh, Charlie, tell us a little bit about. Uh, just your background, just me a, a little bit about what you do now. Um, you know, if, you, if there's anything you think that's uh, interesting to share in terms of all the things you see, you're you're at you're at at least three auto auctions a week, the way I count. Usually. <clears throat> so, and people probably aren't aware of this, but there are many auto auctions going mm-hmm. around, going on daily, everywhere. Uh, Aaron and I are, are, are dealing with auctions every day. Charlie's at auctions every day. I'm surprised that you're still going as much as you do because we've sort of slowed down that because of the computer. It, it makes it a little right. bit mm-hmm. easier. Well, 
not to tell you how old I am, um, <laughs> guys my age um, still like the brick and mortar um, auctions. Uh, we do buy online, or I do buy online occasionally, but most of the time it, it's it's a different deal when you go and you can open the door and, and smell the yep. inside of the car. You can look at paintwork. You can do these things. That a lot of time people that do the CRs, the condition reports, fail to pick up on. Yeah. So um, sometimes we, over the years, um, different organizations I've been affiliated with uh, would buy cars on the internet, and when they got them home. They really weren't the cars they thought they were buying. Uh, doesn't happen all the time, um, and it's improved a lot over the, the last few years. The condition report, the, excuse me, the condition reports are more accurate than they used to be. Um, but still, uh, I still like going to the auction. The, the camaraderie of the people, uh, sharing different stories with people. Uh, sometimes you meet somebody at an auction and you end up doing business with them for a long, long time after that. It's true. Mm -hmm. So that part of it I, I do like, um, but you're right. The the computer is going to take over. When uh, when I took when Aaron came with me the first time to the auction, I said, "There's when you're here. There's something about even just the smell. Yeah. It's just <laughs> and if you hadn't been for a while, which I hadn't. Yeah. Uh, it's just." I don't know. It's a it's an environment. It's it's just something that it's hard to describe. But mm -hmm. there's there's an ambiance to it, a smell to it, a, a rush of adrenaline when you're hearing all these auctioneers going off at once. Um, yeah. I will say I agree with you. There is uh, you can't take away what you can touch and feel, and um, you know, and it's also always fun to see all the little all the little nuances and games and tricks that some of these dealers do at, at the auctions that you don't get to, f right. you don't get to experience when you're doing it online. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but fortunately now, uh, like a lot of the cars that we buy, we're buying a lot of late model cars at auction. Um, the CRs have now gotten to a point where they're, they're really good. reliable. Yeah, yeah. And I will also say, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts is the, the auctions themselves. Um, do a pretty good job of standing behind even a bad condition report. Mm -hmm. So you get a condition report that says one thing and the car shows up and it's not what that said. In most cases, if you're a valued customer to these dealerships or to these auctions, they're going to, they're going to find a way to resolve the problem right. the same way as a dealer would resolve it with a retail customer that right. walks in. Right. So that is, that is good. But, um, but you know, there's nothing like the old the old way. Uh, unfortunately, with the European cars, there's a, there's limited places to find them and limited trusted resources to get them from. So we always have to just be looking out, and we're we're just we're constantly scouring the internet and the computer to make sure we're not missing mm -hmm. these gems. But um, in the uh, in the back to the prayer prayer breakfast, tongue twister. Um, is it like uh, on Wednesday there was a couple there who uh, the gentleman there was a husband and wife team the the husband started in the car car business mm -hmm. Charlie helped him get his start in the car business it sounds like um, and he uh, kind of made his way up the ladder in a dealership but him and his wife had then decided they wanted to get into doing mission work so he okay. pretty much left it all behind hard thing to do yeah and uh from there 
they were going into Latin America and they were doing a lot of mission work and they're still doing that today. Um, so are there other instances that you've seen over the 18 years of you doing the prayer breakfast and you dealing with Christians and dealing with car dealers, any kind of interesting stories, uh, you know, uh, where you've seen either God intervene in this or, or, you know, some of these human, these really cool human interest stories. Uh, that's, that's a good question. Um, one story I'll go back to, um, I had the privilege of, um, having the, uh, having some really faithful people start coming to the prayer breakfast in the, in the beginning stages and one particular person thought that we should do an article for the Democrat and Chronicle and uh, said that, you know, I'll make a way and I'll bring some people from the Democrat. We'll take some pictures. We'll, you know, we'll do a, we'll do a nice write-up for you so that the word will get out there. Mm -hmm. So they really did a nice job. Um, in fact, Lou Graham. Um, from Foreigner. From Foreigner. Local guy here in Rochester, yeah. Used to come to the um breakfasts in the in the very beginning i think he came for about six seven months and then decided that you know he he wasn't a car guy so he really kind of didn't feel totally in place yeah but the article had lou on the on the cover so or on the front page so uh when people saw that they kind of took an interest <laughs> and started reading it and um one particular person saw it it was uh jim kelly's mother-in-law Okay. Uh, Jim Kelly, the football player. Yep. For and, those of you who don't know, who are listening in other countries, Jim <laughs> Kelly was a quarterback for the Buffalo Bills in the from the late '80s through the mid '90s, and he took us to four Super Bowls. Unfortunately, we lost all four. <laughs> but he was there. But he was there. We got there. <laughs> so his his mother-in-law heard or, or saw in the paper what we were doing and took an interest in it. She called me and she said, "I would like to." really come and bring a few people and see what it's all about she said uh, we're trying to do something similar for hunter's hope and if we could come we'd really appreciate it right hunter's so, hope was uh, his son who i'm not exactly sure what um i know he had a medical ailment yes and he passed away ultimately yes. but uh they were really uh big in in orchestrating fun fundraising and yes stuff like that for in the name of their son for the disease that that Correct. he had they and they still i i think they still do uh, i would imagine I, i'm so, sure yeah. that hunter's hope yeah continues on to this day yeah so um she came and she brought her what her daughter jill kelly and um so they enjoyed it very much and when they left i said would you i said to jill would you come and share your story at some point and she said she would, and she came um, a few months later. She uh, did a great job. Um, we we at the time were averaging like forty people, forty five people, and when Jill came, we had a hundred. Oh wow! <laughs> so, but she said, you know, it's not me; it's my husband. People, because I'm married to Jim Kelly, they want to hear the story. Right. And mm -hmm. so she did come, did a fabulous job, and actually um, blessed us about a year later. Uh, on a Sunday afternoon, we had a, a, a brunch at the Holiday Inn near the airport, and we maxed out the place, and she did a fabulous job. She loves God, and, you know, she um, can't, she's always telling people, let's put it this way, you know, how her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, made such a difference and an impact in her life, 
and um well it's a long 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 story but yeah well one of the things that was talked about at the last at the last prayer breakfast i really i I really have trouble saying that (laughs) prayer food (laughs) let's see is there an easier way prayer breakfast okay um what you know and i was actually it wasn't actually spoken but i was thinking about it because i was thinking about my own kind of my own situation and the times that i've felt closest to god were unfortunately the tough times the mm-hmm. bad times right and so then it makes you wonder if the bad times are there for a reason because if everything were always good that's when it's easy to kind of right forget to even thank somebody right exactly whether it's god or anybody else Mm -hmm. and it were those tough it was it was those tough times in life that uh brought me closer to god and and i imagine that for some people that can be the thing that gets them away from because it's easy you can blame Mm -hmm. uh and say well you know god isn't doing me any favors so they can potentially go away from it but for me, it, it always is what kind of got me closer. And then as things resolved and my life went on, I could find I felt sometimes like I was drifting away a little bit. And, and then either I could pull myself back in or if there was something else bad, then <laughs> I was right there to, to grab a hold again. And there's this there's this heavy metal. It's not a heavy metal, but it's a, a prog rock, like a hard rock prog rock group. The, the name of the group is Thousand Foot Crutch. And the name of the group, they're a Christian prog rock group. And the name Thousand Foot Crutch comes from, you know, God is, uh, you know, uh, just sort of metaphorically a thousand miles in the air up, up in the sky. Mm-hmm. But he's he's a crutch for us. So this Thousand Foot Crutch is this huge crutch that's, crutch that comes down from the sky for us to lean on um and that's what you know for me it 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 has been in the past unfortunately as as i get older and as i get smarter i realize that um you know worship god in the good times as as well as in the bad but the bad times do bring you closer that's just reality would you agree i agree and share a little story with you i was with a person once and i was trying to telling him about God and how he needed to accept Jesus um, as his Lord and Savior. And uh, he looked at me and he said, Charlie, look around and see what I have. I'm doing pretty good. I really uh, don't think that's a necessary thing for me right now. So, you know, when everything is going really well, you know, people will take that attitude. I, I really, I'm doing well. Don't talk to me about the Lord. But when something goes bad in their family or they, they come upon a tragedy one way or another, they'll call you and ask you to pray for them. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's so, right. true. Yeah. I'm just getting back to Jill for one second. I mean, she's a very transparent uh, person, very sincere. Uh, I think the world of her. And uh, she has a great story. And, and she's just so sincere, um, so transparent when she comes and shares her testimony. Um, she touches so many, many, many people. Yeah, I would love to. I'd love to hear her speak. I'm sure she's still doing stuff, right? Oh, I'm sure. I haven't talked to her, <clears throat> unfortunately, in, in in a long time, but I'm sure she still does. 
Um, so are there are there different speakers that come to each one and kind of yes. discuss? We we actually God puts these people in my path one way or another. Um, but we have we do ten months. We do September through June. We take the summer off, July and August. Mm-hmm. But you know, people just come in my path, and I'll ask them if they would like to share, come and tell their story, their testimony, and um, you know, we always we we never lack you know a number of people in line to to come and share. Well, I'm gonna I'll embarrass Charlie for a minute because and and I'm and I will say right away. 100%. This is not why this guy does what he does. He does it because that's just who he is. But the people in that room are so thankful for how Charlie has reached out to them. Now, Charlie and I might not talk all month long. More than likely that'll be the case. Mm-hmm. Because you know, work and everything else. But I will get a phone call 100% three days before that meeting (laughs) and this is exactly what he'll say every time no pressure do not feel any pressure i'm just letting you know this wednesday we got the prayer breakfast and i missed several in a row because it's a it's a pretty far distance from my house and if things are at work going on but uh that doesn't stop charlie he's still going to call me and he's going to say hey prayer breakfast but he's not he's not pushing me into it he's not bullying me into it he's just like come if you want i just want to let you know it's out there and everybody in that room was recognizing that the other day and i think you were blushing a little bit but um (laughs) you've touched a lot of lives you really have it's Um, a privilege to do it It, it's something that i do i enjoy it very much you know it's one of the best things like i shared the other day it's one of the best things i've ever done in my life and um it's a privilege it's a privilege to be able to play on God's team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, so. it's and like when you go back to talking about, you know, trying to get some press say in the in the Democrat and Chronicle or I'm running into a, a similar issue with one of the one of the things that I do, but um, it's a you have to be careful, right? Cuz you don't want to exp- I've prayed about this myself. Um, when you're doing something and you need, you want to get the word out. You want to spread the word that it's there. You want to grow it. You want to make it bigger. You want to make it more substantial. And it's, and let's just call it, it's it's God related. There's always this thing where you go, if I advertise it or if I talk about it too much, am I being too boastful? I've actually had a conversation with my with my pastor about that. Um, with rise again a band that i'm in because we've decided as a band to become um we're a christian based we're a a rock cover band we play just normal rock cover music stuff you'd hear on the radio but we give every dollar we make to people in need and i'm constantly on facebook telling people hey you know we give away our money and hey come see us and blah 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 and it could come off as hey look at me and look what i'm doing Mm -hmm. And I'm very, very fearful of that. Just like you could potentially be fearful that if you put that out there too much in the public, that it's just another way for people to go like, trust me, I'm a car salesman. (laughs) So you you wonder, is that the right thing to do? And the answer is this. 
what I'm doing, I'm not being boastful. I'm I'm proud of it, sure, but I'm not trying to get a, a pat on the back for it. Charlie's not trying to get a pat on the back for mm-hmm. it. But the only way something like that can be successful is just like anything else that you need to be successful at. You have to market it. You have to mm-hmm. create awareness. You have to get the word out. Yeah, and I think with with what you're doing, I mean, you're doing it to help others. So it's not like you're you're marking marketing it in a way where it's it's a bad thing. I mean, what you're doing is a, a great thing to help others. And the way it started <clears throat> was was pretty interesting, and it was extremely like it was just this innocent little thing I had said. So I had been playing guitar, Charlie, since I'm 14 years old, and I'd been in little garage bands and and you know I had my moment when I was 17 18 years old where I thought I was going to be you know the next Bon Jovi year <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen <laughs> um but I, I kept up with it you know I got married I had kids but I still at home I'd still play I'd still write music and I did it pretty much all just for myself at one point, I told my wife, I said, you know, I think I want to, I just don't want, I don't want to be one of these guys that had once played guitar, once had played an instrument, and then I let it go. I said, so I think the only thing for me to do to, to still keep it alive and to still make sure I practice is I kind of have to have a, have a motivation to do that. So I went and auditioned for a band, a buddy of mine. Actually, every band I've been in has been the result of someone coming in to look at a car and we start talking and he's like, hey, I'm a drummer. Well, hey, I'm a guitar player. And uh, then I'm in a band with them and I sell them a car. So it's it's like a double (laughs) bonus. Um, But uh, this this guy comes in, he buys a car. Him and I hit it off. We become friends almost instantly. He's a drummer. Him and I get together. We play in a couple bands together for a couple years. Uh, I meet a bunch of other guys. We hit it off. We become great friends. And then uh, he calls me and says, hey, I've got some friends. That... Now, this is uh, 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 in Batavia. So this is an hour away from where I live. I've got some friends in Batavia, and they are we're looking to start a band. And I told them about you, and you'd be a great rhythm guitar player in our band, and why don't you come down? So I did. And um, it worked out well, and everything was great. And then we had a so now I was in the band, and there was the band had no name yet, it nothing. And um, as we're starting to prepare for, I guess what would have been our first gig, and this is almost eight years ago, we were preparing for what was going to be our first gig. Well. I had played now at that point in enough bands and played at enough places, including the Penny Arcade and just about every other bar uh, in Rochester. And the last time we had played at the Penny Arcade at that time, <laughs> funny story, uh, there was like four bands. The Penny Arcade's a huge place. It was a it was a place where people went for mm-hmm. years and years and years for rock music. Big, big floor, big stage. We're up there, and there's a band playing before us, and they had, you know, 200 people there, and they were they were really killing it, and all the people were were having a great time, and I was standing backstage going, this is awesome, there's so many people here, I feel like a rock star, I'm so excited, 
and they come off the stage and the 200 people that were there to see them left (laughs) our band gets on there and i'm telling you it was our wives that were watching us (laughs) in this gigantic place and it was like i was just i couldn't wait for it to be over because i could only imagine what my wife was thinking at the time but anyway um so i get into this band and i say to the guys i said you know the reality is, is when we play at a bar, you know, bars are paying anywhere from, at that time, maybe two, three hundred bucks. Now they pay more. Now they're between five, six hundred dollars if you're a decent, decent act. Mm-hmm. But uh, at that time, it was two, three hundred bucks. I said, listen, we're a five piece. What, what's two hundred, two or three hundred dollars isn't going to hardly even get us dinner if we're splitting it up between the mm. five of us. <laughs> so why don't we make it a mission? Why don't we take that two or three hundred bucks? And just pool it, right? Or, better yet, before the gig, let's find people that need the money. Like maybe there's someone uh, in, and I remember. I think our our very first one was someone um, with cancer, uh, didn't have great health insurance. Mm-hmm. And even if you have great health insurance, by the way, the copays can kill you when you're dealing with a with a, a major medical issue. So we said, let's let's raise some money for them. And we called them and we and we said that that's what we wanted to do. And then they mobilized and got all of their friends together to help to make this a big event. And now we all of a sudden had like 40 or 50 people there to watch us play. So it was part of it. There was a little bit of a selfish thing to it going we're not only going to raise money for someone, we're actually going to have people there to watch Listen, us. Yeah. Even <laughs> we're almost bribing them to be there, but that's okay. Yeah. We're fine. We, we're not prideful. <laughs> it's all good. Um, and that was the first one. <clears throat> and then the first one became the second one, and the second one the third, and so on and so forth. And in and that band, the name was Amanda's Rage. And that that name spoke nothing to what, of what we were doing as a mission. There was a whole nother reason for that name. Um, but that band eventually dissolved as bands do. And we're all still friends, but you know, one of the guys moved away and two of the others started families and all of that. So the bass player and I wanted to continue and do this. So we found some other, uh, people to, that were like-minded, wanted to do this with us. And we created a band called rise again. And between Amanda's Rage and Rise Again and eight years later, we've raised over $50,000 for people. That's awesome. That's awesome. Wow. And every dollar of that has gone to someone in need. And I mean every dollar. We've, we haven't taken a dollar to put gas in our cars for a gig or to buy a new amp. We, we still pay for all that out of our own pockets. And every dollar that we, we raise, we're giving to people in need. And it feels great. And uh, I am, again, proud of it, but I also am always very careful that it doesn't appear like I'm being boastful about it. Um, and another thing I, I wanted to I wanted to say on this podcast, um, something that I thought would be kind of cool for people to do if they think about it. So this Christmas we raised, we had, we had about $2,000 allocated to, we do one gig every December and we call it Make make Christmas brighter. Uh, and we found a couple families that were really in need. They don't have a lot of money, kids. So we, we go out and we go shopping and we buy 
these kids clothes and toys and oh, wow. book bags and we have a blast it's it so idea. much fun in fact we were at Kohl's and we're loading all this stuff up on the thing and they're like what are you guys doing here a violent <laughs> 20 pairs of jeans and like just you know i said well we're a band and this is what we do and she's like wow well if you're a band why don't you sing something so in the middle of cold we did we did uptown funk acapella oh no way <laughs> right at the cashier yeah and um so do it now mark no i, know. I, I need four <laughs> other members spot. here to do it um <laughs> i'm tempted I, I i might um you get Kohl's cash, right? If you shop at Kohl's, you buy yeah. enough stuff, they give you Kohl's cash. Now I'm thinking to myself, okay, now on that order, we spent a lot of money that day. We got $200 in Kohl's cash that you can't use right away. You got to yep. like wait a couple weeks and then it's available to use. So we had this $200 in Kohl's cash. And I said, well, guys, you know what? In a couple weeks, I'll come back here and I was talking to one of my customers who works with a with one of the missions downtown and said you know they really need socks i said okay i'll go and buy 200 dollars worth of socks with the kohl's cash mm -hmm. and i thought to myself and this is just just an idea for people out there when they get their kohl's cash since that's almost like money you don't even know you had use that and buy stuff for like an open door mission that would be a good idea yeah and Everybody i think did now that? personally uh lisa and i are going to start doing that so every time we shop at Kohl's get the Kohl's cash and even if it's just buying a package of underwear or yeah. something but it's something mm -hmm. every little bit helps yeah. yeah so um I think it's cool when you know business professionals or people out there are finding innovative ways to spread goodness so whether you're Christian or or any other religion that's that's really not the point of any of this the point is more about being a good person in our case we have something higher that we believe in but uh, that's certainly that's not what it has to be it just has to be you know you're helping people in need your and when I go to that prayer breakfast um, <laughs> Charlie you have to rename that thing some <laughs> you gotta make it easier to say <laughs> we raised, you know, two thousand, um, and we gave two thousand dollars away to help families, also. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that was just for this Christmas, right? Yeah. Yep. And that was just people going into their into their wallets and and right. putting out money. Car people are giving people. Uh, car people are are very very giving people. Yep. So, uh, I mean, a lot of people, like you said earlier, you know, they think of car, car salesmen, car dealers as, you know, a bunch of bandits, and it's really not the case. Right. I mean, they're, they're good, you know, there's the good, bad, and ugly in every situation, in every right. walk of life. Right. But um, I've seen a lot of car dealers really reach into their pockets many times to help other people. What's the old, what's the old adage that people say is um, uh, going to buy a car is – almost as painful as going to the dentist oh. <laughs> or hiring a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, uh, I was just having meetings with my staff the other day and I said, you know, when, when you are in this business with every, not with, not with car deals per se, but we have a service department too. Our service advisors, they really have to, you, you have to have a, you almost have to be a lawyer, a psychologist, um, a salesperson, you, you have to be all those things in one mm -hmm. because 
when it comes to cars, transactions are complicated, mm-hmm. right? When you're selling service work, you need to know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And look, our guys are great, but we're not, we can't be experts in everything. So you got to do research, but then you also have to make sure, you know, legally you're watching out for the customer. You're watching out for the company you work for. You're watching out for yourself because we get a customer's car they're entrusting i mean that's a that's their livelihood um they drive away with that and the brakes don't work or the yeah. or, or something goes wrong you're you're putting them in danger so right. you it's there's just a lot there's a lot that that goes into the sauce of of just coming in the doors every day and making sure everything goes as smoothly as possible and it's not always going to be smooth i mm-hmm. mean there's going to be there's going to be hiccups and people are going to do things wrong. And but fortunately, uh, in our case anyway, and probably Charlie, probably in yours, you've seen the people you've surrounded yourselves with. You surround yourselves with the the best possible people, so that you eliminate that as much as possible. And then if you do have a problem, you own it and take care of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's really what it just boils down to. You just. If you run into a snag, you just got to own it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Because when you try to bury something at all, yeah, it makes it worse. It's better to be it's honest worse. and forthright than try to cover up something. You right. know, it never goes goes a, a good way doing yep, that. That's right. So. There's an old saying, the good deals get better, the bad deals get worse. That's right. <laughs> that's true. Oh, you said something to me one time um, I thought was really clever. Uh, what What did you, your, your first, oh, shoot. I can't remember what it was, but it was great. Well, your first loss on a car is, is the warmest. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, I've, I've experienced that a couple of times. Yeah. Your first bath is the warmest, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Your first bath is your warmest. So, um, yeah, well, anyway, you know, so I was trying to think of other things we could talk about on this podcast, like uh, a little bit of the behind-the-scenes things of, of what you deal with in a dealership. And we've touched on that a little bit on other mm-hmm. podcasts. Um but, you know, <clears throat> a couple of things that we're thinking about here is how we can incorporate doing good for people and doing some more sort of philanthropic things that also tie into uh, good ways to market the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you know, maybe doing clothing drives or food drives or stuff like that. We do do blood drives, which actually we have one coming up tomorrow. That is it. That was, I didn't even mean yeah, that for a segue, perfectly but timed, yeah. that's a great segue. Yeah. <laughs> from 9 to 2 tomorrow, we're having a blood drive. From Okay, folks, from 9 a.m. till 2 p.m. tomorrow, Friday. January 11th. January 11th here at 834 Linden Avenue. We are having the American Red Cross here doing a blood drive. They'll have that big, huge van right in our parking lot. And you can come in mm-hmm. and give blood, and I think that they're even giving something away. They usually give like I think a, there's like a five dollar Dunkin' Donuts gift card or something Dunkin like that. Five dollar Dunkin' Donuts, I believe. You, we'll have snacks and juices, yeah. and uh, and all of that jazz. And if you want to get your oil changed while you're getting your blood blood taken, you can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> but that's going to be tomorrow, January 11th, from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. So that that is one of the things that we are utilizing our ability to get to people and get them in there to, mm-hmm. to do a blood drive while helping others. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
Charlie, what other things uh, that you know are? Is there anything else out there that you know of that you want to talk about? Uh, mission stuff, uh, anything that you want to sort of put a word out there, promote that that people are doing, or that you're doing, or your church is doing? Well, I'm <clears throat> I'm privileged to be a part of uh, Open Door Mission. Uh, our church uh, is an active part uh, participant with the Open Door Mission. Um, our church and uh, many other churches in the town of Greece, uh, we have an outreach called Mission Share. We have our own outreach center um, at Cedarfield Commons in Greece. Uh, we I could talk about that for a long, long time, but I'll just mention it that it's there. Um, and then uh, the Father's Heart Ministry is a ministry uh, uh, in the city. They go to some of the toughest areas of the city uh, three three times a week, three days a week. Um, and our church is again Greece Assembly, part of that. So uh, I'm privileged to be uh, on that team. So th there's a lot of things happening. Um, Sometimes people get older and they wonder what, what are they going to do with the rest of their lives. And uh, if you look real hard, or you don't even have to look that hard. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of things out there you oh, can do. Oh, there's a need mm -hmm. everywhere. Everywhere you turn, there's a need. Exactly. <clears throat> I had a friend of mine who was uh, the director of Open Door Mission at the time. And he said to me one day, he said, you know, a lot of guys will come up and say, uh, you know, I, I'm retired now. I've got nothing to do. Uh, I'm bored. And he said, you know, if, if you're a Christian and can pray with people, um, you can come down to the Open Door Mission and just sit down and, and, and share your heart and pray with some guys. Uh, it's, he said, it's unbelievable the opportunities that are right in front of you. But, you know, we all get so busy, you know, with other things. Actually, for these people, doing, they get busy doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so there are opportunities out there. Yeah. Um. Tell me a little bit, I, I, <clears throat> we should have talked about this maybe a little bit earlier in the program, but tell me a little bit about a day in the life of, uh, aside from you going to an auction a couple times a week, what's a day, day in the life of Charlie Craddock as far as, and let me just um, sort of preface that by saying what Charlie does is he's, he's really a freelance guy, okay? He, he works for himself, and he has a bunch of dealers that he, um, works with so he knows just about everybody in town and he um, I'll leave it there and let you take the rest well I, I worked uh, for many 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 years uh, I'm not going to tell you how many uh, for other dealers uh, I was part of the Dorschel group for 24 years um, and the Doan group for uh, six years and um, a couple of other agencies as well. Um, I've been doing this now 49 years. Wow. So it's, it's, it's a long time. But, um, you know, what I try to do now is um, I've got some clients where I, I buy inventory for them. Uh, I sell some inventory for them at the auctions. And, um, it, you know, it's a good way to end my career. I'm kind of um, putting my day... Um, just kind of, you know, planning it so that I'm not rushed. <laughs> you know? He's not ready to put an official date on when he's calling it quits, <laughs> right. but, but it's probably coming, right? But, the, you know, it's, it's kind of like on my terms yeah. you know, that I can do these things now. And, and I do enjoy the dealers I work with. I enjoy the business. Uh, it's, and it's hard to, to be honest with you, it's hard to leave. Because yeah. I've been doing it so long, and people say, "Well, why don't you try something else?" I said, "I'm too old to learn, <laughs> you know, something else at this point." But, but, um, but that's not a good excuse. 
So are you, um, uh, Charlie and I spent a lot of, uh, I was actually telling my sister when Charlie came in this afternoon, I said, you know, for years and years and years, I saw Charlie every single week at the auction mm -hmm. or every other week at the high, excuse me, Highline sales. But um, we both live here in Rochester. We never saw each other here in Rochester. <laughs> we always just saw each other down in, in Pennsylvania. And for a while there, Charlie, among just a few others, were it was my somewhat of my escape back home because you know when you're when you're young uh, which i i guess charlie could argue i still am but um i was younger and when you when i was just starting out and going you're really to young auction, to me <laughs> you know when when my father handed it over to me and i was going down there in my early 20s um and i was going down just by myself so i didn't i was doing like you do you just I mean, Charlie remembers the days where he'd fly down, you'd get a bunch of dealers together, and you'd charter a plane and go down. But it's too expensive to do that now, I, I imagine. Yes. Um, but now you drive down, and you drive down by yourself, and you're in a hotel by yourself, and then you're at the auction by yourself, and then you're home by yourself. And all that time you're by yourself, you are also have this, at least early on for me, this tremendous stress of I'm going to go spend a couple hundred thousand dollars in cars the next day. And uh, you get used to it and it's your business. And so to you, it's not quite as big a deal as if you're telling someone about it, but it is still stressful. Um, and uh, Charlie was one of my first kind of, uh, you know, uh, people down there, the friendly face down there that I could say hi to and, and uh, we used to share a, a trucking company that we used together, uh, Prescott Motors. And uh, that was a father-son team, and the father sold it to the son. And you were very close with Dick Prescott. Yes. And I wound up being very close with Jim Prescott. Right. And Jim, Jim's now, I think, down in Atlanta, or yes. the last I heard. Have you talked to him? I haven't talked to him in quite a few years. Yeah. But, I um, hear he's doing well. I yeah, hope, yeah, and I yeah. hope he is. I hope he is too. He was a he was a real good man, and uh, so it, it so seeing you again last year was like it, it's almost like seeing my father. You know, from the from the car business standpoint, that's just you're just part of my father's era, and and so it was it was nice to get included into the prayer breakfast. That's getting better. The more I say <laughs> it, the easier it gets. All right, well, we're getting to the point in the program where I'm going to kind of give it over to Aaron because Aaron gives us a couple news stories. She finds a couple news, auto-related news stories. We get to comment on them a little bit if we want. What do you got, Aaron? All right, so uh, Ford and Volkswagen, um, an alliance could be confirmed next week between the two. So Ford and Volkswagen will have an international media audience next week at the North American International Auto Show in Detroit. The two have been in talks to create an alliance that would improve the competitiveness of both automaker, automakers going forward. Volkswagen's board meets next Friday, according to Motor Trend, and a green light could make itself public. The two have been in talks to see how they can pool their resources to reduce the cost of future technologies, especially for electric and autonomous vehicles. The two are in talks for an alliance or partnership, stressing that no equity will be exchanged. Just when you started saying that, I had flashbacks to the Volvo Ford days, and I started to shake a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think that this is going to be that, hopefully. Yeah, but, yep. uh, 
Yeah, nobody's buying out each Ugh. other or anything like that. It's just... I mean, just... And, Charlie, I don't know how much you were... Well, you were involved a little bit with the GM and Saab stuff, probably, mm-hmm. yes. with Dorschel. But yes. um, when, you know, when GM pretty much... When Saabs became GMs and when Volvos became Fords, mm-hmm. that was a rough time. <laughs> <laughs> there were many... Uh, rough and, times <laughs> and jaguars became fords for a while too and uh yeah those weren't great those weren't great times no. <laughs> let's hope it if, if it does happen it's gonna be better. well you know i don't i don't know what to think about that i don't know if that is somewhat of creating you know remember back when they had ford uh ford auto collections Oh, I sure do. like the worst name in the world. For, <laughs> I mean, what were they thinking? I right. just don't even understand. Ford, the the Ford franchise dealers here in town. I guess mm-hmm. what I guess this came from Ford, right? Yes. Ford wanted to, and it, and it was kind of creating a monopoly in the air. They wanted all the Ford dealers to just sort of be. It was all part of one. Okay. So you couldn't, if you went to this Ford dealer on this side of town, it was going to be the same exact deal as you got from the Ford I dealer see. on the other side of town. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if you were going to buy a Ford, you had no choices. You couldn't mm-hmm. say, well, this guy's going to do this and so on and so forth. One they, price selling. Yeah, and they, they broke that up because I think they did sort of deem that a monopoly. I think that that's why they broke that up, right? But Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I know the one price selling um, didn't go over well no. with people. The, it, there are a lot of reasons why the whole the no dicker sticker, the no haggle, all that. Peop, all these dealers have tried it, and I don't think there's many that do that anymore that's a it's um well some do some, some do, do yeah. but uh, some of the dealers that did it at one time no longer do it. <laughs> yeah because it know. didn't it probably wasn't really wasn't really great it, i mean in okay. a, in a, if you really want to advertise it the right way it's like saying don't even ask me for a lower price because you ain't gonna get it yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. it's um <laughs> It's a challenge. Yeah, it's <laughs> a challenge. Leave it at that. <laughs> what else? You um, okay, so I know we we keep talking about all this technology that keeps coming up. So Nissan is unveiling a new concept. Um, Nissan calls its new concept "invisible to visible technology." It uses sensors inside and outside the vehicle to collect information on driving conditions. The system will help drivers prepare for corners with poor visibility, poor road surfaces, or oncoming traffic. According to Motor Trend, the system can also estimate travel times, and it'll even tell you which lane to choose um, so you can beat traffic. It also has the potential on a rainy day to project a scenery of a sunny day inside the vehicle as long as the car is in an autonomous mode. In in the in the words <laughs> of Jay Lawrence, who is often on our podcasts, we've gone too far. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie, it's uh, you know, it, the getting out will be good when you when you decide to retire and yeah. and uh, either move on to some uh, different uh, different vocation <laughs> or whatever, because it's gonna get nuts. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem to uh, have the passion that it once did. You know, it's technology is a great thing. And, you know, older people like myself, we have a tendency to, you know, want to still do it the old way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were, there was more passion before. Oh, yeah. You know, today it's it's just press a button, yep. you know, get in the car and, and, set, and then the car will drive itself. So you don't have to worry about driving anymore. I don't think I'm going to get in that situation. It, it's, yeah. it's because it we are at a point of we're 
potentially even beyond the point of like sensory overload, right? We talk about it. We've talked about it a number of times on this podcast about like even looking at our kids going, nothing, uh, nothing wows them anymore. No. How, how can it? You know, if you got the phone on you, you're the smartest person in the world because every single answer to every single question is on the, mm-hmm. on the phone. You don't even have to type it in. You can ask it. Right. Yep. You can. I always call it Siri, but it's Siri. 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 So you can ask Siri anything. And, and you're Alexa. A, you're a yeah. genius. Without it, you're dumb. With it, you're a genius. <laughs> but nothing. It, there's no wow factor to anything anymore. So, you know, the old muscle cars and special paint job or a special interior. All of it's like, eh. Yeah. You know, nothing's really impressing anybody anymore. Yeah. And uh, and the thing we now it's not necessarily on that article, Aaron, but um, the thing that we talked about before about these cars recording your driving habits and everything you do. Oh, that I. Yeah. I'll tell you, there. Uh, one of the insurance companies has one of these little dongles that you put in the OBD2 port, and it tracks your driving history over a couple months. Oh dear. And then and then based somebody's going to go to jail <laughs> and then based on uh your driving habits it will then either give you a 5%, 10% or 15% discount on your insurance mine'll go up <laughs> yeah I, I i only got to the 5% yeah. i got a 5% off but uh you know when you have to consciously think about okay i can't gun it from yeah. the light because this stupid thing is going to record it <laughs> Got anything else? Um, nope, that's that's pretty all. That's it. All right. Yeah, well, well, we're just a, we're pretty much at the end of the podcast. Um, all right, so folks, uh, I've got Charlie Craddock here. He's doing this prayer breakfast every month on Wednesdays. Second um, Wednesday of the month. Second Wednesday at the month. It's it's it is primarily car car dealers. But we do have other uh, people from different walks of life that do come. So you know. uh, would would it be fair to say that if you were interested in joining, you should come yeah. down and check it out? Absolutely. They've yeah. got your information. Uh, they could contact you and you could contact you can. Me. You can contact me at mark at universalimports.com if you want more information on the prayer breakfast that Charlie puts on every uh, second Wednesday of every month. Uh, and I'm happy to share that with you. Uh, if you have any questions for Aaron or myself, uh, you can uh, visit. You can email Aaron at. Yep, it's e kane k a i n at universalimports.com or marketuniversalimports.com. Uh, go to universalimports.com website. Uh, check out our array of vehicles that we're selling. Um, our service hours. We have a body shop. Uh, we do everything soup to nuts on your car. Even if you just want advice, you can call us. We'll give it to you. Um, if you have some, if you have some advice from us for us, uh, such as some different topics we can talk about on our podcast, or anything that, if you want to give us a thumbs up of things that we're doing right, or maybe give us a some nice critiquing of what we could be doing better, we'll take that too. Um, but visit us at universalimports.com. You can visit greaseandglamourpodcast.com, and. Uh, Again, we just ask you to share this, spread the word about our podcast. We're a local business. We're a local podcast. Um, so it would be fun to see some more listeners on there. Absolutely. Yeah. And until next week when we will come up with another interesting podcast, uh, we'll sign off. I'm Mark with I'm Aaron. Aaron. 
Charlie. Charlie. And uh, have a great rest of your week, and God bless. <laughs>